0: Coaches, Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed
1: Coaching for the Coach. In mid-March, education as we knew it would come to a grinding halt. Educators all over the country would begin a journey in online public education. Almost overnight, online classrooms went live to help students continue their learning. Elena Aguilar says that resilience is the ability to experience a setback and then spring farther along because of it. This is exactly what educators have done. Welcome to a special COVID-19 episode of C3, Connecting Coaches' Cognition. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Not to worry, friends. We are currently recording from two different towns, thanks to the beauty of technology. Violet, how's it going in your new world? Oh, my new world is an exciting one. We are trying to adjust to a new normal. I
0: am currently huddled in my car. My children are napping so that we can make things like this happen. I'm sure no one out there in our listening ship can understand. Uh, I have a, two small children, and one is a preschooler, Stella, and we are trying to do her schoolwork while I am helping support three different elementary schools and their transformation to online Education, and then on top of that, my husband
1: is—he's uh, one of those essential workers, right, Courtney? <laughs> yes, so essential, <laughs> so um, essential. You got your hands full over there. Sounds like I do. He
0: is um, in the automotive industry, so he needs to be there to help people. And so it's me and the girls, and my couple hundred educators, and just trying to stay connected with my team. We're we're really trying to build into a new normal and set some boundaries and get out for some walks and just um, find the balance between all of those demands. It's
1: it's kind of interesting. I'm sure your girls are loving all the extra time they can get to watch Frozen and play outside with mom. It's a ballerina
0: Frozen 2 world over here. Um, that was a great purchase prior to all of this starting. So um, uh, definitely worth the investment.
1: A total necessity.
0: It's a vital necessity at this moment, frozen two or Zootopia, um, recommend them both for all of you, but, uh, yeah, we're just, we're settling in and we're, we're starting to feel like, okay, we've got a little bit of a plan and we've got some, some ways to cope with this new normal.
1: How are things going with you and pickles? Well, I'm on my own. I, uh, you know, never thought what a better time to be single, you know, just me and my dog, uh, (laughs) It's been interesting. I mean, I'm an introvert, uh, so I laugh and joke that I've been training for this my whole life. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's really a new normal. Just meeting virtually and coaching teachers over video chat has been really interesting. Um, They've really risen to the occasion and the amazing things coming out of our school district. I couldn't be prouder.
0: It's really unbelievable to watch what these teachers are coming up with and how fast they're pivoting. It's It's kind of like we Apollo 13 them and said, like, we have a round hole. You have a square peg. Go. And they just magically did overnight. Like, they're unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Who would have thought we could do public education virtually? And obviously, it's not the same experience, but I think we're providing some really high quality online experiences for our students here. The caliber is
0: unbelievable and the dedication and grit of these teachers. I am just so proud to be in public
1: ed. Definitely. In light of recent events, today we are so fortunate to have the author of The Art of Coaching, The Art of Coaching Teams, Onward, and Cultivating Resilience in Educators. She is the founder of Bright Morning Consulting and lives in Oakland, California with her husband and son. We would like to welcome Elena Aguilar to C3. Thank you so much, Lena, for coming on to C3 and taking time out of this crazy COVID-19 uh, kind of schedule that's going on. A little bit different circumstances to be meeting, but we so appreciate you taking the time to be here. Well, thank you. I'm really happy
2: to be here.
0: I know our listeners are super excited to hear your insights. Elena, can you start with just sharing with our listeners a little about your coaching background and
2: how you got to where you are right now? Sure. Well, I've been teaching since 1994 and became an instructional coach when i realized that i could have more impact on students by more strategically supporting my colleagues and other teachers and however i became a coach having had no training and i really struggled at first feeling like what have I gotten myself into adults are not as much fun as kids. What am I doing? I feel like I just want to go back to the classroom. I loved teaching, Um, but have found really a lot of uh, unique joy and satisfaction and meaning in being an instructional coach and a leadership coach and in training coaches and have also had the kind of broader, deeper impact that I always wanted to have. So I've been coaching for about 15 years, 16 years, and training other coaches. It's incredible to hear
0: your journey and that it wasn't just a natural fit for you to start. Cause I think so many instructional coaches have that where it's kind of scratchy at first till you find your impact zone, right? and you're oh, such a master it's nice to hear that you had that similar road. Oh,
2: it was so hard. And I'm in my both my book The Art of Coaching and The Art of Coaching Teams, I write about that a lot, the struggles and the bumpiness because I want to really normalize it. We're not taught how to teach adults when we become teachers of kids and we aren't taught the kind of communication skills that we need to have. Um, It's really a completely different thing coaching adults than it is teaching kids. And yeah, it was really hard. And it has been something that I've just, um, I have found so much. I love coaching. I still coach. I love coaching. It's wonderful to hear your wealth of experience
0: and that we can relate to that. Can you, We know that right now everyone is trying to find their own sense of normalcy and trying to find balance. I wanted to hear a little more about what routines are you personally putting into place to help you get through these extraordinary times, and and how do you intentionally fill your resiliency reserves, as you call it? I love that term. I try to think about my resiliency reserve throughout my day. Mm Great.
2: Great. Yeah, it's really oh, this time is so hard, right? And it's so, and every day feels different, and almost every minute of every day feels different. And the highs and lows are just the roller coaster of emotions. I've never experienced anything like this, um, and it really has pushed me. I would say forced me to draw on everything I know about resilience and and to remember it and to practice it. And I am the kind of person who I find a lot of joy and pleasure in checklists and color coded calendars and spreadsheets. That's just kind of how I'm wired. And so a couple of weeks ago, I made myself a um, a tracker, sort of a checklist thing of all of the different things that I could be doing every day that were more specific for this situation, which would boost my resilience and strengthen my immune system. And so I have this list and my goal is not to do all of them every day, but to, it's almost like a game for myself. It's like, how many boxes can I check off every day? And some of them are really simple little things like eat cinnamon. Okay, cinnamon is an anti-inflammatory and I'm really interested in the uh, in nutrition. And so I'm like, okay, I my, put my cinnamon in my coffee <sighs> so I get to check off that box drink lemon water, like take my vitamins, then do things like, um, do arm circles, like where you stand up and you swing your arms really good. And so, so, and I'm, even though I know that multitasking isn't the best thing, I'm also like a compulsive multitasker. So I'm like, okay, I'm swinging my arms, listening to music really loud and like usually not eating anything at the same time. So I'm like, oh, I got three boxes there. (laughs) Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's my strategy. But it, I'm kind of ridiculous in that sense. And so I have my like week long checklist sheet, and then I celebrate at the end of the week, which is not. I'm just like, yay! Look at all my boxes I like, and that makes me feel happy.
1: Oh, I love it, and you can see how much joy it brings to you as you talk about it as well. Um, that's such a great tip of keeping yourself. You know, mindful about what you're practicing during the week, and not only uh you know being aware of how to build your immunity too that's some great points
2: i think I really think the key in this time is do what you know works for you and not what other people are suggesting or not what you think you should do, but like follow. Like I, this is, I am a checklist. Like people tease me about this. My husband teases me. Everybody's like, what does your color coded calendar say you're doing right now in this minute? I'm like, well, let me see. <laughs> um, but do like that works for me and I'm going to do what works for me and I'm going to stop feeling like, oh, I should be more spontaneous. I should be more, you know, it's just not me. Um, and, and so for other people, they may really need to be like more spontaneous and following their their needs and desires in that moment. Or, you know, it's like when you say, when you're feeling really tired, you're like, I don't know, I'm really tired. You go to the doctor and they say, well, it could be one of a hundred different things and there's a hundred different kinds of medicine. When we're thinking about our resilience, everyone is different and the underlying causes for, um, a, a a resilience tank that's running low can are different. So, one of the ways that we need to boost our resilience is by knowing ourselves and knowing what works and what we need and giving ourselves permission to do it. That's yeah. huge. Finding
0: what fuels your fire and what's going to recharge your batteries and being flexible with yourself while you're doing that. Yeah. I think your checklist and your color coding probably resonates with a lot of our listeners and educators today. <laughs> Definitely with me for sure.
2: Ah, uh, yes. <laughs>
1: So Onward is a book that uh, we continually come back to. We use it a lot with our new teachers. and um, You know, just throughout our year, it always seems to come up in our coaching meetings, especially our elementary meetings. You speak about 12 habits to build resilience. How might you tailor this list for educators during this crisis?
2: I think the 12 habits are more relevant than ever. And so I would probably say we need to be dipping into all of those habits more frequently and doing all of them. For example, one of the habits is called play and create. And this could be a time where we feel like, ooh, I don't have time to play. I got the most wonderful message this morning from a coach In, she's a coach and teacher in San Diego, California, who I've known for a couple of years. And she said she just reread the chapter on play and create, and that she'd spent an entire day playing with her kids, and that they now have snails as pets. (laughs) Um, And she sent me this photo of her, like, you know, the young children looking perhaps in a kind of a terrarium thing at some snails. And I just love that. because I think that there's other habits like riding the waves of change or gratitude that are really critical right now and creating and playing is also because I think I've been thinking a lot about create creativity and creating and brainstorming and getting our hands back into Play-Doh or paint or whatever is a form for creating and how we have an incredible opportunity, I'm going to say that now and in the coming years to rebuild our schools and perhaps our society in a way that is more healthy and holistic and serves everybody. And to do that, we're going to need to be really creative. We're going to need to think new thoughts and think outside the box. And I think we need to be flexing our creativity muscles And getting them back into shape, because so many of us have squelched those for years.
1: Yeah, I think even personally, you know, that's the first thing to go. Um, When work gets busy, the creativity definitely goes down for me. And, you know, I've even found myself, you know, picking up paint and drawing and, you know, getting back into some of those creative things um, in my downtime.
0: And I, I, I love taking that to the child level, like you were explaining in your example of just getting art in with my daughters every day and making sure that we're intentional with that, that that's one of my check boxes that I can check off each day that makes you feel good. And everybody's checkboxes are different. But um, I love that example as you you kind of touched upon this, um, that idea of we had this control within a classroom as an educator and where you had this beautiful Sentiment of looking at this as an opportunity. How can we help educators who are are so used to being in control of their classroom and control of their daily routines? What insights can you offer for them to how they can manage this lack of
2: control in our new environment? One of the reflections and we need to be engaging in every day is around what is within our control and outside of it, what's within our influence and what's outside of it. And right now, probably more than any of us or most of us have ever felt, there's so much that feels like it's out of our control. And the way I respond to my 16-year-old when he's playing music too loud these days, that's within my control. And the way that I invite my family to sit down and have dinner together and talk about what's going on or our memories or dreams and ideas that's within my control too. And so there is a lot, I just heard the most beautiful quote this morning by a, um, oh my goodness, I don't know how to pronounce his name because he's an Austrian monk or he's a brother, um, brother David. Okay. I'm going to send you the, I'm going to send you the name of this because I don't want to destroy his name
1: perfect
2: very wise man from the world of religion and contemplation who says we don't have to be grateful for everything that happens but we can be grateful all the time and that I've been thinking about that all morning he was interviewed by Krista Tippett on the podcast on being which I just love um and just that idea of like, we don't have to be grateful for cancer or pandemics or economic collapse. And we can practice gratitude. We can be grateful for every moment. And so that, like, I've been, I think this pandemic has really made me more acutely aware than ever of the fragility of life. And every time, I mean, this sounds this is gonna sound really like corny, but every morning when I wake up and like <laughs> I hear my husband snoring or something. I'm just like, Oh my God, he's alive. I'm so grateful. Like, you know, like I'm just going to be, I'm going to be grateful for his snoring. He doesn't snore too bad, but (laughs) when I do hear him snoring, I'm just like, Oh, he's there. He's alive. Like my teenager who living, you know, I don't think it was ever nature's design to have us living all the time with a teenager. Um, And he's an easy teenager, but still it's a little challenging. Sometimes we have a pretty small house And I'm also like, he's here. Who knows how long he'll be here for in terms of like, maybe he'll go to college or whatever. And he's alive and he's healthy. And how can I just be grateful for that? Um, So that's within our control. So I think it's, you know, when so much feels outside of our control, it's really balancing out that sense with what is in our control and what can we, again, it kind of goes back to what can we create every day? right? The context we're in feels like one in which things are being taken and things that we had hoped for, looked forward to, anticipated, that's all being like wiped away. And so what can we be aware of and grateful for? And then what can we be creating?
1: And this is great advice, not just for people surviving a pandemic, but this is just great every day you know when you get caught up in things and feel you don't have control over anything to really come back to those basics. I love it you know the signs of life um and the looking and appreciating at the things around you is so important
2: i just i think there's opportunity for a whole big shift in perspective, you know like just the things that the things that Irritate me just the it. right? Like my husband doesn't put the dishes in the dishwasher in the right way. I'm like, why do we have so many arguments about how to put the dishes in the dishwasher? Um, but now I'm just like, okay, he's putting the dishes in the dishwasher in this way. And I'm actually I'm just so grateful that he's he's doing a lot of house cleaning and he's cooking and he's shopping and he's alive. And you know, just that reminder of the fragility of it all and what we can't take for granted. And I think that the the shift in perspective around how we want to be living life. And I've heard so many educators confessing things and they say, you know, I, I'm so embarrassed to confess this or I feel like, you know, this is not right for me to say, but I love sleeping in. Or it's so great to be able to just have my lunch at home. Or I'm so glad I don't have to be commuting for an hour each day. It's like, yeah, that way of living that we've been in for so long has been destructive in many ways. And we have this opportunity to recenter and to get clear on some values and priorities, and perhaps to create something different as we emerge from the immediacy of this crisis. I love that. It's like that
0: back to basics approach of like, can we appreciate those small nuances in our life, not all of these other distracting things that may have become priorities and really delineate what is the most important in our life and what we can truly be grateful and thankful for each day.
1: hmm. And I really look forward to seeing how people evolve and change um, through the pandemic and, you know, what priorities they want to put in place when, you know, we come out the other side of this. Mm
2: hmm. I think there's a similar interesting thing happening as we think about what is education and what is schooling and how do we relate to students. Some of the teachers that I've been in touch with have said things. First, have expressed anxiety about, like, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that, because when we get onto our Google Classroom or Zoom room, the kids just want to talk about this and that. And I feel like I need to let them have time to process and talk to each other. And I'm like, that is great. Give them that time. You know, right now that's what they need. Let's listen to children rather than continuing to kind of abide by, you know, standards and curriculum and external mandates, which sometimes have their place. And they also are not responsive to what young people in front of us are saying that they need. And, you know, and I was saying like right now we're, we have this kind of incredible opportunity where in so many places standardized testing has been canceled and students' grades either pass and fail or they can't go down or, you know, there's this space right now where you're not going to have people coming into your classroom saying, well, I thought you were supposed to be on this lesson. You know, it's this day we're supposed to be covering this section of this unit Like respond to the young people in front of them. Let them talk. Let them tell stories. Let's reconnect as human beings. We can still do, it's not exclusive of doing learning. Like there's these opportunities right now as things crumble. That opportunity to learn that humanness, right? That
0: we don't always get to see in the classroom and just being able to have them have that human connection every single
1: day. Right. And to, yeah, and to be together as human beings. So if you had to narrow it down to three social and emotional tips at the moment, what would you say to educators?
2: The first one would be understand emotions, and that's one of the habits of resilient people, and that means that we recognize when we are having an emotion and we can use some language to describe it. And if we were able to just do that, we would individually feel so much better. And I don't mean like happier, but often the reason we experience sort of suffering when we have strong emotions is because they feel overwhelming and they feel like they're just like sweeping us off our feet. And as we learn to name them and identify them in the moment, and we can say, whoa, I'm feeling really sad and I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling scared, and that's happening all at the same time. If we can just learn that, we'll be in a much better place. Um, That comes with the understanding and the awareness that emotions come and they go. And two minutes later, the emotion could be, oh, now I'm just feeling sad. And then you have the awareness, oh, that changed. This is no longer what it is. I would say then the second tip connected to that one really is to learn strategies that help you stay in the present moment. And so, in Onward, I call that the habit of be here now. And it's the habit of mindfulness. And it's the habit that allows us to recognize when we're having an emotion. So, it's connect. That's why I said it's so connected to the first because. To be able to recognize you're having an emotion, you actually need to be living in your body, um, which many of us don't or live kind of, you know, maybe in the next room over from our body. And so learning how to be present, be in our bodies, be able to recognize what's going through our mind, recognize our emotions is the second habit. I'm not sure if it Entirely fits as an SEL habit, but to me it does. Um, and I suppose the third would be again, I'm stretching the definition of what is SEL, but that's what I do. Um, the third would be to take care of your physical body because we experience emotions in the body, and so many people um have suppress their physical needs right don't sleep enough don't get the kind of fresh air or exercise that we need though are, are just really disconnected from our bodies and right now during this pandemic we again have an opportunity to say well let me slow down and that doesn't mean you know that I'm also not advocating for everybody to um abruptly stop like eating ice cream if that's bringing you joy and pleasure like eat the ice cream with joy and pleasure like have the wine whatever you know but do it mindfully so that you you know my my daily food consumption probably to some people could look crazy cuz like i eat a lot of kale and green smoothies and then i also have my ice cream and potato chips um and there's a there's a a way that that we can do all of that with awareness and mindfulness of I'm like, okay I'm not, do I want to eat this piece of chocolate because I'm feeling really scared and sad and it's going to be like emotional soothing? Or do I want to eat this piece of chocolate because I really love dark chocolate and I just want that flavor, right? There's a distinction to make, and that's why it's connected to to being aware of emotions and understanding emotions and to being mindful. It's all these three tips, I suppose, are all connected. So be in your body, respond to what it needs, let it rest, nourish it, take it for walks or fresh air and, and allow your body, you know, give your, we have these bodies that are capable of so much joy and pleasure, like eating ice cream or whatever else comes to mind. And, and we deserve that.
0: Absolutely, I love that balance with your intentionality and these are such good reminders to bring to the forefront of our mind because we're all just we're all trying to survive in this moment and being more intentional is going to help us to thrive right mm-hmm. um, and and tail spinning off of that as we are thinking about coaches, what advice would you give to coaches who are trying to help others through this time um, and who are coaching remotely you even mentioned as we got on that you know zoom all day can be difficult. What advice do you have to them as they're trying to help others through this time?
2: Mm, Yeah. Well, the first thing is put on your own oxygen mask first. So just make sure coaches like teachers are often really wanting to help and serve others, and which is admirable and and honorable. And we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as well. Um, And then I would say a very concrete tip is ask the people you're coaching, what do you need? What do you need from me today? What do you need right now? Do you want to meet on Zoom or do you want to meet on the phone? Um, And so when we're feeling like everything is out of control, then any opportunity we have to assert our own agency or autonomy or power is going to actually make us feel better. And so simply asking someone, what do you need? Would it be helpful to talk about this or this or this? Giving them a wide open space will help someone else feel better. Um, I, I do think it's useful and perhaps required for coaches to know the indicators of anxiety and depression so that we can be attuned to when other people may actually be um experiencing emotions that that are concerning or experiencing the emotions that turn into that turn into depression or anxiety because i am really concerned about how much more depression and anxiety the kind that needs um professional support is going to be on the upsurge with this pandemic it's just it's it's almost impossible that it doesn't. And so I think coaches, because we often have the kind of more, um, intimate conversations with people that can reveal that they're really struggling, do need to know, okay, I need to know when I need to tell someone, Hey, I am your coach and it's, I'm happy to talk with you. And I'm concerned that, you may need some additional professional support. Um, So like I have a checklist or not, it's not a checklist, but it's a resource on my website that helps, um, that helps us to have this understanding of what, what are the symptoms and the signs that would indicate that somebody may need some professional support.
1: Yeah, that's something I definitely, I've been aware of um, in checking in with different teachers is, you know, Where is that line of, you know, they just need someone to listen and the line of they may need to reach out and seek someone who's truly trained and helping them through this?
2: Yeah, it's, these are, again, just such uniquely hard times. And I think we need to be aware of, just aware of danger signs of people, you know, can be from people experiencing just so much loneliness and isolation and fear and worry about family and worry about health and past trauma coming up. And, you know, and and then there's so many people who are living with it, it, living in homes where there's domestic violence and that is on the increase. And so how do we, um, how do we stay sort of alert to danger signs?
0: Definitely. And just keeping that, that human who's right in front of you at the forefront of the mind and staying completely focused on what their needs are and how to best support them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think there's an opportunity here also because So many instructional coaches feel like when they meet with a teacher, they have so much that they're supposed to talk about. They're supposed to talk about this unit and that assessment, and they're supposed to look at data, and they're supposed to talk about, you know, there's just this overwhelming feeling of like, we never have enough time. And so often what is put to the side is the more holistic transformational coaching, which is really what I emphasize and write about and talk about because it's the kind of coaching that can change people's practices profoundly. And so right now I think we have an opportunity to talk about who people are and what they're what they're going through and what they dream of and what they what they envision and what they would like the world or the classroom or the school that they would like to live in. We have that opportunity now.
1: I love how you are so clearly able to see all the opportunity in this. And I feel like it's so important for educators to hear that message.
2: Yeah, one of the dispositions of a resilient person is optimism. And when I wrote Onward, I did a lot of research into both social science and oh, all different kinds of fields, um, psychology around what makes people resilient and actually what makes communities resilient, what makes ecosystems resilient. And from the human side of things, one of the most resounding findings is that resilient people and resilient communities are optimistic. And that's different from um, a sort of being a Pollyanna. There's an, a realistic optimism and an unrealistic. And an optimism can be cultivated. We can become more optimistic. I come from a family of people who I think are overwhelmingly pessimistic. And so all my life, I've been trying to incline more towards optimism. And now I actually feel like I really am optimistic. It's no longer I'm trying. I actually really feel more optimistic. And And so that, in some ways, I also think about that as like a muscle that we can flex every day, perhaps that's connected to gratitude, but that is about like what is okay, what is working, where is there hope, where is their possibility
0: absolutely, and just being able to focus on all of the gains that can come out of the situation as opposed to the things that are holding us back or those gaps, right, and just really thinking of how can we take this moment and this opportunity to pivot. And that when we relaunch and we go into education moving forward, that our focuses might be slightly shifted and that might be a good thing for our world in this moment. Right.
2: And Right. And it, yeah. And I think the, the one of the things that I also remind myself of is like, how do we both acknowledge the, the opportunity and the possibility and also acknowledge the pain and the suffering, some of which really doesn't have to be happening. Like, this is a healthcare crisis. And this is a crisis, I think, that is exasperated by capitalism and by our political situation and by a lack of leadership and by political leaders who don't believe in, sci- in science. And so I think we have to acknowledge all of that as well and acknowledge that. This crisis and the pandemic is revealing even more, uh, or is more revealing the inequities that exist already in our country. And the fact that people of color, and particularly African Americans or Black people, are being more affected by illness and death in this pandemic is something that we also need to stop and look at and say, You know, look at this. And there is a possibility there as well, because we can say, look at this. This is wrong. It's not like we need more data points to be able to say there's structural inequity and, and racism in our country. But we can say like, look, this is this is now if we have to find our own, if we have to find an investment on because it's affecting all of us, you know, this is something that's affecting certain communities more. But this pandemic is affecting everyone insights and how it can truly bring us together
0: as one in order to make some of these shifts. And I just love that sentiment. I love your optimism throughout this entire thought and just thinking of how we can use some of these smaller things in order to help build capacity within ourselves in order to be more mindful um, in our daily practices. And So we so appreciate, we stole so much of your time today, and we are so appreciative for all of your insights to share with our listeners. And we wanted to see if you are willing to give us one more minute to go into those rapid fire questions to get just a little last quick snippet from you. Sure. So here's our rapid fire questions in roughly 30 seconds or less. Can you tell us what
2: is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Every conversation counts. We can make every conversation we have count towards creating a more just and equitable world. That's beautiful. That just struck me in the heart. Oh, my goodness. Um,
0: I love that. Tell me, what is your secret coaching superpower or your
2: go-to move? My secret coaching superpower is compassion. It's what I come back to all the time. Compassion for others, compassion for myself, compassion for all living things. When I feel triggered by somebody else or something I see in a classroom, I come back to to a stance of compassion, which is really based on on our interconnections, on the fact that we are we're all in this journey together, and that um, and that we're all doing the best we can.
0: Absolutely. That whole me and just trying to be in it as one group all together.
2: Thank you so much for
0: sharing your insights with us and your brilliance. And I just know that all of our listeners, coaches, educators, administrators alike will find some comfort in your compassion that you shared with us today. We really appreciate your time.
2: Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a really, um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you. We're so privileged to have it with you. Thank you. It
1: was an honor to have Elena join us today. Her message of resilience, finding time to be creative, listening, and honoring yourself, as well as looking for the opportunities are so important to not lose sight of during a crisis and even during day-to-day life. Who will you connect with today and how will you show up for yourself? Tweet us at C3 Coaches to share how you're seeing resilience during this time. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?